make myself available to regular folks who who need to reverse their diabetes or who want to lose some weight or who just want to feel better overall. And so that's that's what I've been doing. And it it wasn't an idea that I thought I could monetize. It was an idea that I thought I could lend my heart. Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Matthew Gray. Matthew is from Hawaii. He is a gentleman who, as he puts it, has led an uncommonly colorful and delicious life thus far. Matthew has expertise in the following areas. Chef, metabolic health specialist, entrepreneurial advisor, interview consultant, author, journalist, food tour creator, radio talk show host, menu development, great ideas, passion strategies, life counseling, and he's also a great friend. For those old souls like mine who appreciate the classic rock bands, Matthew has traveled with the Eagles on their Hotel California tour straight out of high school. After that, Fleetwood Mac and then Pink Floyd. What comes next, you might wonder? Well, Matthew became a chef cooking for a Hollywood elite before starting Chef Matthew's Fine Foods, a line of sexy finger foods for Trader Joe's and similar establishments. Matthew as well as owned a greeting card company and the most interesting company called Pamper and Dine, which offered, offered massage and fine dining in clients' homes, covered by People's Magazine, National Enquirer, and CNN, and New York Times. It was picked up by news outlets all over the world. Matthew's side note, he saw everyone in Hollywood naked, which is odd because he was a chef, not the masseuse of Pamper and Dine. And like he says, we better dive into this more. Matthew has many more endeavors from talk radio with shows about some combination of food, sex, male-female dynamics, and travel, to next have to go and becoming a successful at food journalism in Hawaii, Matthew could always be counted on to speak and write the truth. Hawaii Food Tours was his next adventure, launched in 2004, his social experiment to feed, educate, and entertain hungry travelers. They were the second food tour company in the United States. However, since March 2020, due to the pandemic, have been closed. What is Matthew doing now? Well, his personal and business successes have led him to a place where he can help people realize how to attain their goals and ways to enjoy the pleasures of each day. Matthew's goal now, well, to pay it forward. 
I'd like to welcome you to the show, Matthew. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Aloha, Dwight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, aloha, and you're welcome. And thank you so much for wanting to come on my show. Um, I'm always looking for fascinating people that have always been on the climb. And after researching you and looking into your life, you've always been on the climb. I don't think you've ever been a person that's been camped too long. You're always looking for that next great adventure. And it always seems to be around servicing and helping humankind. Right? So yeah. I really appreciate yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. So Matthew, one of the things I do is I focus on a person's origin story for the people that are new to watching the show or listening to it. Um, obviously, the listeners that are you know, my loyal listeners understand why I do it. Our life is a combination of all of our experiences from our earliest recollections. Um, you know, some people just want to know, well, what, what happened when Matthew once he was out of school? We don't care about the rest. I do care about the rest. I think you your journey started from your earliest recollections and every decision that happened from your parents to yourself or outside influences, maybe in school, a coach, whoever made it so that you made the decisions you've been making over the last, you know, um, X amount of years of your life. So Matthew, please tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently. Mm -hmm. Well, I was born in New York, lived in New York until the age of 10 when my family moved to Los Angeles. Now, they didn't tell me right away, but I caught up with them eventually. And uh, and then in the early 90s, I moved here to Hawaii. So my origin story started off as a young kid in New York who used to follow his mom around in the kitchen while she prepared all these delicious foods from all over the world. So she was one of those great, wonderful housewife type of cooks. And she was interested in food and flavor and color and architecture and things like that. And she was a giver and a warm soul. And that's kind of, I guess, my uh, origin story in a nutshell, uh, an appropriate receptacle. Well, that's perfect. What what led your mom? What was your mom's origin that she was so into uh, food, into cooking, and like you said, architecture and, and colors and, and how everything integrates? Do you do you under know what caused her to be like that for for think, her to? I think she was a colorful person. I think she was uh, creative, and she didn't want to live the boring lifestyle of the the fifties housewife type thing that that stereotype that so many people are aware of. And so she kind of broke out of that and always was experimenting. And you know, because she had her number one fan, which was me, following her around, I think that helped her out a little bit more. Yeah, and that's great because you know. A parent that wants to experiment and climb in life, we pick up on that, mm -hmm. right? We pick up on that and it helps us as part of your origin. It makes sense now after doing the research I've done in our prior conversation, you know, hitting record, it makes sense, right? We always oh, have yeah. that person in our lives that, you know, good, bad, or ugly or indifferent, they, they help guide us to where we are today. So it makes sense because reading about you, you're very much about the experience. You're very much about being different and, and, you know, serving people. And your mom was the same. So that's amazing to hear. So you left New York at 10 years of age and went to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about 
that experience? Were you upset about leaving and going to Los Angeles? What, or did you embrace it? What were your what were your years like up to the 90s going to Hawaii? Well, at the age of 10, leaving New York was tough because you have your friends that you don't want to leave. And I think I actually kind of switched off and I didn't even really tell a lot of people that we were moving, that my family was moving because there might have been a little bit of shame involved with that. And so I, I remember now not really even sharing it with my friends and uh, my grandma, my mom's mom passed away. And that kind of was the end of that chapter. And that's when we moved to California. And I remember the drive cross country. And I remember all the, the, the stops we made along the way and, and my love of spaghetti that I would get almost every time we went to any diner along the way. And pecan pie was brand new in my life. And so I can kind of like switch my brain on to think of what flavors was I experiencing at what ages? And, and that kind of began my life with the whole food thing as well. That's awesome. I can see people listening or watching, you know, if you could, if I was listening, if you could see Matthew's face, it lit up. I could feel the energy because those are memories. Those experience of the spaghetti mm-hmm. and the pecan pie, which I love pecan pie. <laughs> so, How could you not, man? Well, yeah, it's just, <laughs> right. and it's not that I don't like spaghetti, but pecan pie, I'm like, my gosh, that is just, that. that's like a kiss from heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love oh, it. Yeah. So that's great. So it makes sense. Like, I appreciate you sharing that. So Matthew, when I listened to your video on YouTube, you speak about being only 17 years old and touring with some of your most famous bands in histories. Mm-hmm. Like, the Eagles, man, I've seen them numerous times in concert, like amazing, you know, in the Hotel California tour, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, so you literally went to do that straight out of high school and ended up with Fleetwood Mac and Pink Floyd. What was your influence growing up that led you to fly the coop and get into working with these bands at such a young age? My folks were really, really loose with me not with my older sister, but with me, they were. So they allowed me to do whatever kind of came up. And so uh, my neighbors across the street were working for a merchandising company representing a lot of big rock and roll bands. And they asked me if I would be interested in going out with the Eagles on tour doing merchandising. And I said, yeah, but I have to ask my parents first. And I asked them and they said, sure, go have a great time. And they knew that I'd be growing up on the road as a young kid. And I had more fun than everybody else who was continuing school and doing whatever they went to do after school, which is maybe working at Tim Hortons or McDonald's or whatever like that. And I was on the road doing the whole drug, sex and rock and roll thing. And so my life was completely different than almost everyone else's I knew. Well, of course it would be. That would, who who would think though, right? You're, you're living across from people and neighbors that would come over and say, hey, you know, Matthew, what are you doing? You want to come, you want to come to her? I got to ask my mom and dad, most people, most people would think mom and dad are going to say, no, there's no way. Right. Right. Like if that happened to me with my five kids, I'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) But so, so you were blessed to have parents that let you, you know, you know, fly, right. Eagles. They were very loose and liberal for me. But like I said, I had an older sister four years older than I, and they were tight with her. So um, I guess you have to kind of ebb and flow when you're a parent, depending on the gender and the personalities of your kids. Yeah, and I think you're right, genders and personalities, but also it would probably have been the generation too. 
Yeah. Um, let's be real. Boys were allowed to get away with more at one point in time in history than girls were. Girls were, mm-hmm. were treated like, sadly, treated like property or treat and very controlled. Right. Right? right. So that could be part of the reason too, but I'm glad it happened for you because now I get to find out things. That's great. Oh, yeah. It was it was a cool time. Like you said, it was uh, the, the time of society and culture being a different place and different style. And uh, it's, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was young, right around that time when I started going out with the rock and roll bands, before then, uh, I used to sneak girls in through my bedroom window. And so many years later, my mom said, you know, Matthew, you really didn't have to sneak those nice young girls through your window. You should have let them in through the front door. <laughs> So they knew about it the entire time. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. and speaking of stories, I had put that in, you know, this wasn't specific in regards to what you shared about sneaking girls in, but that story is awesome. Um, I imagine you have some amazing stories throughout the period of life, like touring with those three bands. Tell us one of the most memorable things that t- transpired on that in those years of the journey of your life. Well, when I was with the bands, I, you know, I was kind of the responsible, young, smart kid. And so I, I wasn't very out of control, but they came to me to bail them out. My guys would get drunk and get into bar fights and get arrested. And I'd be the one to come to their rescue, bail them out, bribe the cops with merchandise from the rock and roll bands to get my guys out of jail so we can continue on the tour. So I was beyond my years and my ability to be able to schmooze and communicate and have fun and, uh, and get out of difficult situations. So that's where I was at that young age. And I was able to help people out. Uh, That's, that's so it it just, it creates a theme though. So you're always the doer. You're the person that's in control when there's chaos going on around you to bring everybody back to center. Well, that's that's a good way to put it. I always say that uh, I'm not the instigator. I'm the equalizer. And I've always been that. So if a situation occurs or comes up and is not being handled, it, it falls to me and I take care of it. That's always been my personality style. And I imagine, and that's, and that's a great, there's nothing wrong with being the equalizer. That's actually, a trait that I would see is a big reason why you've been always on the climb as we talked about prior. So what would be like, you talked about getting people out of trouble, continuing to tour. Do you have any stories that you're willing to share about anything that would like wow people that happened, whether it was interaction with a band or fans that you had to deal with, or just workers that you're, that you could share with us? Well, during the tour days, there were a lot of interesting situations that occurred. And like I said, um, you know, the things that I did do, but I, I guess something that would wow the audience would be if you knew that I almost set Robin Williams house on fire when I was oh cooking my, for him. So oh my that goodness. was after the rock and roll days, but still it was something that was kind of interesting. And uh, you I'd know, love to hear it. Yes. God rest his soul. But I was at his house uh, cooking. I privately cooked for a lot of people in Hollywood and rock and roll. And cooking for Robin Williams was uh, a wild experience. And I tried to show off like, you know, this young chef. And I thought I'd flambe his uh, 
filet mignons and he was in the kitchen and we were talking having fun and i added too much cognac to the pan and it blew up in my face and caught the drapes on fire behind me and the house started by started going on to fire or you know there was a bad, oh bad situation going on and um ended up with the fire trucks and police and all that other stuff. And I was just freaked out. I probably soiled myself during that experience, but he was great and he was fantastic and handled it well. And, you know, we just continued the night once everything was over and done with, but that was something that sticks in my mind and will forever. Oh, of course it would. That's, and you're not the first person that's brought up that I've had on my show, Robin Williams. I have, uh, had a comedian on a famous comedian that opened up for Robin Williams. He used to be a Canadian. He's now in the U S for the last 20 some years. He opened up for Robin Williams a couple of times. And some of the stories he shared about Robin, it's always the same thing. He's very kind, very gracious, right? Very giving to others. So I appreciate hearing that story. Uh, I can't imagine. Really, really bright. bright. Most of the great comedians are really, really intelligent. Dan Aykroyd is another person I cooked for. He was with uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And, you know, he was he was kind of quiet and, you know, studious and really brilliant. And what happens with a lot of people in the entertainment world is that they really don't switch on until that camera is rolling and when the cameras turn on then their personalities come to life but when you're with them face to face eyeball to eyeball like you and i right now they're you know quiet and thoughtful and in-depth and it's really interesting you know and i've heard that before about celebrities whether they're actors actresses musicians whatever that you know some people will stay that so you put it differently than I've heard. I've heard that people say it's like they have two personalities. They have an on-camera personality and they have a personality that's not off-camera. So is that something that is intentional or is it, do you believe it's to protect themselves? Like what would be the reasoning behind that, that you, from your from your perception? The best way to answer that is I'm the same way. So, and I'm not really an entertainer or an actor or a famous musician, but it's just a style. It's just, you know, when you need to turn it on, you turn it on. And the rest of the time you're recharging and re-energizing and getting your stuff together. So no one can constantly be burning the candle at both ends. And so when the cameras are rolling for me, I'm a little bit more out there and external. Uh, but when the cameras are not rolling or I'm not on a show like yours, I'm a little bit more thoughtful and quiet and creative in, in other fields or areas. Yeah, that makes sense because I like, I love the way you put that because I'm this, I'm similar in a lot of ways. I can, as I mentioned to you, I, I was prior to us recording, I believe where I, you know, I'm an introvert, but I'm extroverted when I need to be, you know, I'm an empath. I like being in small groups as opposed to large groups when I need to ignite a flame and be that bonfire I can be, but mm -hmm. I'd rather be mm -hmm. that little flickering candle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd rather yeah, it's be very that. similar. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, interesting. Dan Aykroyd, that would be, so you've, you've met a lot of uh, cool people, people that I've admired uh, over the years and it's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So, and, you know, speaking about Dan Aykroyd, if you don't mind, yeah. I'll, I'll let Go you ahead. know. Tell his, me anything his, you want. his wife uh, is 
Donna Dixon. And you might, might remember a sitcom show from a million years ago um, called Bosom Buddies. Yeah, the first show that Tom Hanks was in, yeah. and uh, and Donna Dixon was in it also. Beautiful blonde lady. Yeah, and so I know when who I was, she is. When I was at Dan Aykroyd and Donna Dixon's house, he was in the study, uh, and she was in the kitchen watching me like paddle around the kitchen doing my thing because she was really interested in you know how a chef would move and what the choreography would be with their food and their pantry and and you know how I cooked and what ingredients I used and all that. So. I've had a lot of very interesting experiences with people like that and, and regular folks like me too. It just like, it's really wonderful when you can sit and cook for somebody, I'll tell you. Well, and, and you know, Donna and Dan and Robin, they're regular folks too. They're they are. Just, that's the biggest thing. I've learned over my lifetime not to put any of them on a pedestal right. and understanding that even a sports athlete, like, somebody that's famous in sports like Michael Jordan or for me in hockey, like a Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid, or, you know, you look at famous artists like you've, you're talking about, they just, they put their, you know, pants on one leg at a time, you know, their shoes on, they live life. They have anxieties, they have depression, they have things that they worry about. And so many people approach these people fanning over them. And they wonder why they're, you know, blocked off. Not all of them are, but a lot of them are. You can see it in their body language. Right, right. If you approach them as like you're talking about, she comes to see what you're cooking and you mm -hmm. just have a conversation. And they love it when people's guards are down, you know, from conversations right. I've had with, with not as famous people as you, but people prefer that, you know, just treat me like, hi, I'm Joe. I'm not the famous Joe that's up on stage. I'm just Joe. Right now, right. I'm just me. Back to that right. two different kind of uh, states that we operate in. You know, a moment ago, you mentioned some of the famous athletes that you had met, and, and it just brought up one of my earliest memories back when I was a little kid growing up in New York City. I got to meet Mickey Mantle in the flesh. Wow. I touched him. I touched wow. his back. I patted him on the back. And like, that is something that's been with me forever and will always be. Oh, yeah. There's... It, it's it's amazing what we have a grasp of after the fact and we look back and and I tell people all the time so at that point in time Matthew you lived in the present by living in that present and experiencing that you created a memory that's life lasting and and, and I know it kind of sounds weird I talk to people like the best memories are ones that set within my mindset it's like a perpetual motion it keeps mm -hmm. me moving forward. Those great memories. Obviously, we can have memories that are negative, and and you know trials and tribulations. But you're right. It, it it is it is phenomenal what we have within our six inches between our ears, and we take it for granted. We take life right now that's present. You and I communicating. I'm present in this, and this is a memory for me. Right. A good right, memory. Exactly. Right. And I can yep. feed off of that forever if I choose to look at it in the right light. You know, the memories that we possess and retain, along with the information that we learn throughout life, will stay deeper and more long lastingly set when it's something that is 
tweaking your emotional side. So if you have an emotional reaction to something, it's going to stay with you. And that's how we learn. Uh, and that's also how we remember memories is if you were triggered in some sort of a strong emotional way. And so when you take a look back on it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I learned a lot in that class. Why? Because that teacher made me feel so good because he was funny. The emotion. She was yeah. right. Emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did a, you're going to smile about this. I did a reel yesterday and I posted it and it's a snippet from an interview of a gentleman that I had on my podcast and we're talking, he's talking about the fact um, that you cannot have an emotion without a story tied to it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was so simple. So the snippet's only like 45, 50 seconds, but he talks about the fact um you know, like literally people take it for granted. But if, you know, people listening or watching, just think about it. Every time you have an emotion, I don't care what gamut it is, happiness, sadness, anger, there's a story that created that emotion. They're it's tied nice. together and you need to, you can control your emotions by looking at that story and either giving and giving it what it deserves, depending on what the emotion is. And that's how you can control your emotional state. And, but anyway, it's just, it's it just makes me smile because you brought that up about stories and stuff. And then I just did a, I just had the podcast that's live this week on, on give a heck is this gentleman. And I was doing, I was posting some reels and it was at one and the reels title is, is that you can't have an emotion without a story attached. That's, so, that's right. And, and that's why when you speak to people who are disengaged or, or kids who are bored in a classroom, they're never going to learn because there's no emotion going on. And when there's no emotion going on, I, I hosted a show recently with a lady who was doing needlepoint or something down at the bottom of the screen and her, her vision, she didn't look at me in the face at all. She was like down into her needlepoint while we're doing a talk radio show. And I thought that that was really rude and she was not focused. So there was no emotional contact. There was no human connection. And I'm sure that if I wasn't feeling it, then definitely the audience wasn't. Well, a hundred percent. I've had, mm -hmm. as I mentioned prior to us recording, 140 some episodes now. I've had a couple of people come on and, and didn't want their video on. Well, sorry, we can't record. Well, what do you mean? I'm a very visual person. I like looking at Matthew. Mm -hmm. I like connecting with people. So, you know, if I wanted to have just an audio call, like a phone call that, you know, so I've, I had to change that within my booking link, you know, you must have video, right? Because right, right, sure. bottom line, I want to see Matthew's body language. I want to see your responses. The people that listen to it are listening to it aren't necessarily doing that they have the opportunity to go to youtube and check it out but for me it's imperative because i like being a student of, of of human language like in our body language you know and so i i can appreciate what you're saying and you know what who's lost it was that woman's loss because we're not very far into knowing one another and i've and i feel blessed right mm, so she lost she you. lost out honestly. you know what it is it's like it, the the video element allows communication, allows the fruits of the conversation to come through. And I can see your face when I can see your smile, when I can see your eyes, whether or not it's used in mass media, 
doesn't really matter, but the conversation's better when you can see the other person instead of just on a phone call. This kind of completes that circle. And so being able to share that for people who learn visually or people who learn audibly is wonderful. So you have all these different platforms. You could share your world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even having, it's going to maybe sound silly to some people, but like my five adult kids don't all live in, in my community, in my city, they have Edmonton. Some live a few hours away. Some live like 10, 11 hours away. And when they call me and sometimes they can't, I'm like, oh, you're calling me old style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, cause I prefer they FaceTime me or we jump on a zoom call. Most of the times it's FaceTime. Even my grandkids, they don't call Papa anymore unless it's FaceTime. My one grandkid, he's got an old iPhone that's years old. All of a sudden, I'm sitting on the couch the other day. I wrapped up. It was finished working. It was about 7.38, and I was just sitting on the couch. I was got myself something to drink, and I was just going to watch a show. All of a sudden, my phone goes off, right? Call from call from Caden, and I bring it up, and he's smiling. Hey, Papa, <laughs> right? And oh, that's nice. If it was just a phone call, I wouldn't get the same energy. I honestly wouldn't because now I'm seeing his face. Hey, Papa, how are you? You know? It's yeah, just, you know, that's I love great. that video. I love that video connection, though. All right. So yeah. I've gotten to a point where even my clients, how about we jump on a video call? Mm-hmm. Right. How about we do that? Oh, I'll just call you. No, I'd rather jump on a video call because if they're sharing, let's say, some strife they're going through, I can better connect to it, as you mentioned, when I have that visual, right, of them and I can see their body language. So I appreciate oh, yeah. that. So, Matthew, you became a chef of a line of sexy finger foods. Who does not like finger foods? However, okay, Matthew, spill the beans. How does one make a (laughs) finger food sexy? Did you say smell the beans or spill the beans? Spill the beans. Okay, (laughs) Spill the beans. Not smell the beans. But hey, hey, Matthew, if it helps you share a better story, go ahead, smell. I don't know. I thought maybe it was like some sort of Canadian thing. I don't know. Um, No, no. Spill the beans. (laughs) Uh, I went to school in London to become a chef. I went to the Cordon Bleu, which is one of the Mm. world famous academies for that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do after the rock and roll years. And so I thought to myself, you know, geez, I'm getting old here. I was like 21 or 22. I've been on the road for a few years. And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Well, I love food and I love cooking even earlier than when I learned to become a chef. And so that's what I decided to do. Went to London became a chef, then went back to Los Angeles and started doing all the things related to uh, my degree in in culinary arts. And so uh, the Chef Matthews Fine Foods you talk about was a line of what I call sexy stuffed finger foods, like small appetizers or poo-poos or starters, depending on what part of the world you're in, uh, you'll call it one of those things. And so I put together a few ideas and I contacted the Trader Joe's people, and that was back in the day when you needed telephones or, or letters, typed letters, to, to contact people. You didn't have this ability to do Zoom or Skype or video calling, and so you had to go out and press the flesh and meet people and make presentations all in the same room. And um, so I contacted them and said I had some ideas for their shops and the Trader Joe's people said, great, we're looking for some great products. And they made an appointment with me. And I went down and I did my dog and pony show and I fed a whole bunch of execs and um, ended up getting five different uh, 
products into their shops in Southern California. Wow. But what, what made it sexy? What, oh. what was, what was the sexy factor of it? How do you make that? So you presented, you did your dog and pony show, you got five accepted and you, you labeled it specifically sexy finger foods. Right. Well, the presentation wasn't sexy. It was the foods that were sexy. So let me get that straight right away. Okay. Um, okay. When I say sexy, well, we have to know. Honestly. Right. 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 It's like yeah, I didn't do like a strip tease. I didn't bring my strippers pole when I presented. Um, I just brought the foods. <laughs> so what? Well, what thanks they for are, the clarification. What, the visual yeah. was kind of scaring me. Right. 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 Yeah, I know. So, oh my god. Uh, so uh, the foods that I did for the Trader Joe's and some other high-end shops were all small stuffed items. Like my famous seller was a stuffed strawberry with a peanut butter, marshmallow, and toasted coconut filling, then dipped into chocolate. So that filling was totally wow. obscured by the chocolate. Everyone had seen dipped strawberries in chocolate, but no one had ever stuffed them and then dipped them. So that became one of my famous items. And I had another item, which were giant prawns filled with a crab meat filling, dusted in wow. panko crumbs and fried. And then on and on and on. So those are the kinds of foods that I call sexy. They're stuffed, they're finger foods. You put them in your hand, you could eat them with one, one hand and have a cocktail in the other. And that's what made it sexy. It was like that kind of party food, enjoyable, high-end gourmet type stuff. So you have, you have a, like you just talking about it, my, um, you know, so, uh, my mouth's watering. Um, literally, so it was, it was a visual thing, as well as the fact that it was a taste experience. So you just said it, you just said it, Dwight, food is sensual. Go ahead and say it. We all yeah. know it's a combination of uh, seeing it and smelling it and tasting it and touching it. Those are all sensual aspects of our world. And that was all big part of my food world growing up. But your personality came out in the creations. Right? Oh, yeah. So like, that's, that's awesome. Your passion for <laughs> it is it, it to me, it's awesome, because people are so blase about food when really it's something we have to do to survive mm -hmm. why not have why not go along the, the emotional train along with the food so you have a drink you have a stuffed strawberry that's something that you never tried and you're talking about it you look at it and somebody maybe tells you or you don't even know and you go to bite into it and you experience it and it's like wow well, now you have a body rush, right? Your 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 taste, your taste buds, your emotions, your body, and then you're sharing it with other people. It, it's right. like it's like a full meal deal. I like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the grand key inside the inside the lock is to be able to put all of those emotions and senses together along with great communication, stimulating and engaging conversation. When you add that to the food that you've spent so much heart and soul putting together, you know, you've got yourself a winner. Yeah. Well, you're a winner, man, for doing all this stuff. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I've never experienced somebody 
in my life like yourself and i've talked to people that are chefs and, and not, mm-hmm. not even not even regards to the podcast just people that are chefs and stuff and there's it's very methodical it's just they got to do this they got to plate this they got to do that and there's and, and they're missing the key element now that i think back on it they're missing mm-hmm. that human connection to right. the senses right so right, right right that's that's amazing thank you for the great response <laughs> i appreciate oh, that sure, so sure. are the products there are products still out there. Obviously, you're not still doing it, but are those products still available? Only if you come to my kitchen or if I come into oh, your house, then oh. they're totally available. Anything you want, you can have. Oh, uh, so I got to invite you to Canada. Okay, I get it. Why not? You know, I I would like to have a couple of different beers and be able to uh, express oh, myself in someone else's you kitchen. Should, you should <laughs> see... You should see uh, a side note, especially my local listeners will appreciate that. We have our city of Edmonton for North America. We have the largest urban parkland in North America, Mm -hmm. right? And we have, um, I think it's 40 some microbreweries in Edmonton area, right? From brewing beer and stuff. Some of the most eclectic um, microbreweries. So they, a couple times a year, they have these big, um, brewing events where you can go and you pay money and they give you this little mu- and you get to go around and try all these micro brews and it's it's amazing like some of the the micro brews at these little uh eclectic shops right oh yeah make it's just so when you brought up beer i was like yeah i can appreciate that there's you know people always think of fine dining and i'm not saying fine dining isn't associated with wine but you know what? I know a lot of people that are very high class people in their, in their way they present themselves, and mm-hmm. you never see them with a glass of wine. They're drinking a they're drinking a microbrewery brew. They're not drinking like the, the not saying there's anything wrong with Coors Light or any mm-hmm. of these other beers, but they're drinking something that's somebody's put their heart and soul and passion into, just like you did with food or still do right. part of me, right? Exactly. So oh, I yeah. appreciate that. I so, still yeah. cook to this day and it's, you know, and I will take you up on visiting those microbreweries. We'll get ourselves a designated driver and we'll have that at my friend. Oh, have a, brother. I've got, I've only got one of my adult kids that still are in the house. I got tons of rooms. You can hang out here. We can Uber it. We don't have to worry about anything. It's fantastic. They, they actually have a, a I'm trying to think of the name of it. They rebranded it. The city of Edmonton rebranded it. And they used to have one of the largest uh, breweries called Molson's used to be there before oh, yeah. Coors, before mm-hmm. Coors bought them out. You know, the U.S. bought out Molson's, but it was a giant brewery. So they, they tore down that giant manufacturing facility and now it's a brewing alley. It's all restaurants and places that all you do is they specialize in serving microbrewery, like the different to, to, obviously promote the local people the local business people that have developed these beers so it's pretty cool oh, yeah oh yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of pride yeah. in that the it's a brewery are... district like, yeah that's the one yeah. i was i was thinking of it's like a brewery it's all developed around the breweries to support all these microbreweries and it's very a very intimate experience actually and, mm-hmm. and depending on how you look at it obviously other people it's just like ah oh, let's go get drunk <laughs> right For you know me, it's yeah, beer is interesting that it's become so artful uh, because beer originally was just made from three ingredients, right? Barley and uh, hops and water. Yeah. And now these artists and, and these creatives are creating the most incredible flavors uh, oh, that, man. you know, you'd loosely call them beer, but really they're just elixirs. And, well, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, 
It's like a, it's. I, I don't know if this is gonna offend people. It's like a mouth orgasm. Someone you there drink. You it's like you know, if anyone is offended just, by that, they don't have to listen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You can hit pause or fast forward me, but that's okay. Exactly. It's there's some, yeah, like some of them that are. It's just amazing, you know. Who knew the conversation would go this way? But that's oh, the yeah. joy of my show. It's a conversation. This, this is what you do. It can go anywhere. There's there's no traffic directions here. <laughs> exactly so i appreciate that that's awesome a fellow and we can talk more about that in the near future no problems so matthew whose brilliant idea was it to marry massage and fine dining together please explain to us as well why you are seeing so many people naked well seeing people naked was something that i really loved to do um but especially <laughs> back then um, when i was when i was a young chef and this was in the 80s uh, my girlfriend at that time was a masseuse. And so we thought, how can we combine our talents? And we came up with pamper and dine. Pamper would be the massage portion. Dine is the chef. And so we started creating a company based on massage and fine dining in our, in our clients' homes. And uh, we started doing that all over Southern California, Got a lot of international press, People Magazine, National Enquirer, New York Times, you know, a lot of that kind of thing. Because it was sort of like a, an only in California kind of idea. And it really caught fire. And we got to work with a lot of regular folks who were enjoying their life and wanted to have something new and different all the way on up to, you know, well-known people who who could afford that and uh, wanted a special service. So that's where massage and fine dining came in. And where the naked people came in was, although I was in the kitchen preparing the customized gourmet dinner, the people who were being massaged by my girlfriend upstairs or back in the house somewhere would come down the staircase wrapped up in their robe after the massage, or whatever. And, you know, every now and again, you grab a glimpse and, you know, you thank goodness for that kind of stuff, right? Uh, hey, <laughs> I have no problems with that because the biggest thing is, is I grew up in a very staunch Catholic family and, and, you know, everything's got to be covered. It wasn't as bad as, you know, like, let's say, uh, the Amish and stuff where, mm -hmm. or, you know, the different religious faiths where everything's got to be, you know, you can't show any skin or whatever. I grew up as a young teenager, appreciating the fact of the naked body. Like to me, I used to tell people, Hey, that, like, what is your problem with the naked body? That is an art form, right? No two naked bodies are the same. So to me, that's exactly. art. I would have been, I would have been sneaking a glance too. I would have hoped, hoped once in a while that the house coat popped open. Yeah, I don't know if I was actually <laughs> sneaking any glances. I was probably, you know, jaw dropping glances occasionally. Well, so, but still, it go. was a benefit. That's a perk. When you talk about a perk in business, that was a great perk. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it, 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 hopefully it's not in the middle of you putting ingredients together and then you forget something. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, you have to stay focused. You try to keep your concentration going, you know, even with all the visuals that are happening. Oh, this is awesome. I love how our conversation is going. <laughs> so, Matthew, so now your newest goal is to help people realize how to attain their goals and the ways to enjoy the pleasures of every day. You want to pay it forward, which is amazing. I love I love uh, finding people in my life that are like that, are always looking to serve and pay it forward to others. So 
you know, you're doing that. What exactly are you doing for people to help them carpe diem to seize their day? Wow, what the heck am I doing? Well, up until 2020, I was running a famous company called Hawaii Food Tours. When yeah. the when the COVID shit show hit, it crushed my business and I, I kind of twisted in the wind like everyone else all over the world. And so it destroyed my business. I thought to myself, what am I going to do now? And so, you know, besides feeling depressed and, and having huge anxiety and so on, I really was thinking about what's my next step. And, and I thought to myself, well, I'm highly unemployable. So maybe I can just try to create some ways to help folks. And so uh, I started learning a lot about metabolic health and science and uh, weight loss and keto and uh, reversing disease and things like that. And so I become a kind of like a specialist. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I know a lot more about health and nutrition than most doctors at this point. So that's what I decided to do is just make myself available to regular folks who who need to reverse their diabetes or who want to lose some weight or who just want to feel better overall. And so that's, that's what I've been doing. And it, it wasn't an idea that I thought I could monetize. It was an idea that I thought I could lend my heart and my soul to. And so that's what I've been doing. Well, food, food, and, you know, no offense to doctors. I don't know. I might have doctors that listen, but they're not trained in nutrition. They're trained to all. send you to a dietitian or nutritionist or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those that are dietitian nutritionists, like my cousin is, um, she's been working in the hospital system for 30 plus years. They don't stay up to date. I find that a lot of professionals, it doesn't matter what the field is, they get comfortable and they still, you know, propagate the same broken information all the time. So it's really refreshing to hear you talk about that because I myself am now in my fifth year of keto lifestyle. And why I did it is because my children were having nutritional issues. And as they were growing up, I started doing elimination diets to figure out what was mm -hmm. triggering migraines, triggering, um, you know, anxiety, even, even foods can even trigger like anxiety episodes or That's manic right. episodes and, and cramps and stuff like that. And so I ended up getting elimination diets and by eliminating things, I started feeling differently myself, but I went through a period of time in 2017 where I lost my granddaughter. She was four years old and I spiraled mm -hmm. out of control and I started using food as comfort and I gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2018, wasn't feeling good about myself. I was over 200 pounds and I have some health issues already with my back and spine. I got a degenerative spine disease and all that extra weight was affecting and tearing me down, which made me depressed more and I'd eat more. And I started researching keto, but there wasn't a lot of information out there, mm -hmm. good information. There wasn't a lot of places I could go buy keto stuff. So I had to start learning how to, you know, be on Pinterest, Google this try all these different recipes, baking things, cooking differently. And I wanted to be that person that was, you know, food is a science. And how am I going to, I don't want to overeat bacon. Are you kidding me? All these people are saying, just live off of butter and bacon. Nah, I didn't want to do that. So I, I put a lot of thought process into it, lost a lot of weight. And over the years, it's been a lifestyle for me. I don't consider, everybody has a diet. 
whether you're North mm -hmm. American diet and you're having meat and potatoes or you're a vegetarian, a vegan, whatever, those listening, keto is just a different way for me to live, right? And I, and I, you know, am I, am I staunch about it? Certain points and times in my life I am. And then other times I'm, I don't live so vicariously that if somebody puts down a piece of, uh, you know, I'm at some place and they have cheesecake and I know there's sugar in it, but it looks amazing. I'm going to have that piece of cheesecake mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my life isn't so controlled. Initially, the first couple of years it was because I was looking at staying consistent with my weight loss. And I felt better, but it, I also learned years later and you, you doing this could probably appreciate the fact that sometimes in life, you have to have the ebbs and flows. You have to have that break where it's okay for you to have a cheat. If you don't even want to call it that it's okay to have a oopsie or whatever. You know, it, it, I think that that's a great way to put it. I think that when it comes to uh, moderation, which is probably the best way to handle or approach anything that everything in moderation, even excess. And so if there's a day or two that you need to have a cheat day or whatever, but you're staying on the right road, I think that's the, that's the way to go. You can always course correct. Uh, but the, the idea is to remain as focused and one step and another step and that kind of thing. So just persistence and determination. Food is an emotional issue for a lot of people, but half of our audience right now, whether they're listening or watching us, are either fighting obesity or pre-diabetic or worse. And it's related to the food that they put in their bodies. And, you know, this is something that's not really focused on in medicine because you have big food, you have big medicine, and you have big pharma. All of them are kind of uh, fighting us uh, as far as like uh, trying to maybe take away our health in some ways. And so it takes a little bit of digging and, and, and finding out the good information, which is obviously you've done now with your lifestyle and diet has a connotation. The word diet has a connotation of a temporary kind of focus. The word lifestyle is a much more long-term, long-range type of thing. So I think you've got it right when you refer to it as lifestyle. Yeah. And I'm constantly trying to educate people about nutrition. Even my clients had clients I was at last night helping out a young couple, a couple young mm -hmm. kids. And we're talking about nutrition and they ordered in food and they said, well, what do you want? Well, this is, you know, where are you going to order from? They said, in menu, I want this. No, I don't want the bun. I want it this way. And they, they know that I've been practicing the keto lifestyle, well, not practicing, right. living in, I'm going to scratch that word, practicing, I'm living it. And right. I have more clarity. I oh, just yeah. have everything. I, I sleep better. Um, my swelling of my joints, a lot of the problems I used to have disappeared. And when I do cheat, if, if I let's like, I'm going to Europe at the end of this month for 20 days with a friend of mine that lives in Hawaii, you and I talked about it. Am I going to try some of the local stuff out? That's probably not the healthiest. Absolutely. You bet. I'm not going all the way over there and not experiencing life, but I do know there's a cost, right? There is a cost to it. Even living in my city, if I have that cheesecake, I know the next day I can feel, I feel a little lethargic. I can have a food, depending on what I cheat with, I can have a food hangover. Yes, people oh, listening yeah. or watching, you can get a food hangover. 
right? Uh, they know it. Dwight, the, everyone right. who's watching and listening to us right now knows in the middle of the afternoon when they fall asleep on the couch or in their chair, what's, the reason that's happening is because of the food they're putting in their body, not because of their body clock. And so uh, food affects us in a big, big way. It's the biggest drug we consume is the food we put into our body. So when you can reduce inflammation and you reduce disease, for instance, some years back, I was 100 pounds heavier than I am today. I was on six different medications, but I changed my lifestyle and I'm not on any medications now and I'm at a good, normal, healthy weight. And it's all related to, I have to say, you know, of course, luck is a great thing, but really has to do with the lifestyle. It has to do with the food that I eat. Well, yeah. And this is and coming from a guy who I lived my life to excess for almost my entire life, but that was fine for them, but it's not fine for the entirety. And so, you know, getting it together is the only way you can, you can change, really feel though. good. Yeah. Right. You right. can change, you can, and it's going to, it's not to promote, but it's to tell people you can give a heck. You can mm -hmm. do what my book talks about, right? My secondary title of my give a heck book is how to live life on purpose, not by accident. You can right. change it any way, any day, any way you want to take a baby step, quit letting, as you mentioned, big pharma and everybody else control you. If you've got health issues and your doctor, instead of asking questions and, and suggesting you maybe change your diet to control things is all they're doing is writing you a script, go to another doctor. Right. 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 I'm, I'm so tired of my clients that get rated. Cause I also outside of investment planning, a lifestyle coaching, I also sell insurance and my clients get rated. I get, I got recently, and I haven't shared this on a podcast yet. I recently applied for more life insurance as an estate plan for my five kids I'm 56, going to be 56 years of age. And I take CBD because I have a degenerative spine disease, right? Mm -hmm. Legal. I can take CBD in our country, been around medical um, stuff like that's been available in our country for just about a couple decades, very prevalently used, prescribed to me by a doctor. Insurance industry doesn't recognize it and they're going to rate me. So they're rating me because I don't want to pop prescription painkillers ibuprofen tylenol right, they, right they're penalizing you yes they are they're yeah. penalizing me and unfortunately i have to swallow it and take it if i want that product or service but i have that happen right. with my clients they're you know diabetic or you know they're some of them are controlled by nutrition they don't understand they can control their diets i've had people that i know that have done keto that have stopped having to get injections, right? Right, right. Because their lifestyle, the crap they put inside of them, the preservatives, the chemicals, the colorings, the the massive bad carbs they're taking. And those listening, there is a difference between good carbs and bad carbs, right? There is good carbs out there. Your body does need carbs to a certain extent for cell regeneration and for you to be healthy. Unfortunately, Going into the grocery store, going into the restaurants, most of the stuff you're eating is not good carbs, right? Yeah. You need to know yeah. what to selectively do. I've been reading the labels since my one daughter who is now, she's a nurse and she's in her late 20s. Since she was in junior high, I started reading labels in the grocery stores. And yes, people, it takes longer, but guess what? 
if the first ingredients you see are sugar or hydrogenated this and that, run, don't hide. Do not buy it, right? That's perfect advice. And and that's what that's what we're doing. You and I understand this. And hopefully the people who are watching or listening to us right now will will kind of reach out because you and I understand how to do the lifestyle. And you know, when you're not on meds and your body finds its normal, natural, healthy weight and you can reverse disease, boy, there's nothing better than that because you'll be oh. around longer for your loved ones. Yeah. And you know, and then you hear from the people that say, well, my, my grandpa or my grandma lived till they were in their nineties and they smoke and drank like a chimney and they did, they ate whatever they wanted and blah, 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 blah. I'd rather go out in a flaming ball of glory like them. And I'll say to them, well, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm very cognizant about how to communicate with people. And I'll say, how are the last few years of their lives? Like the last, mm -hmm. let's say five, 10 years. Oh, they were on medication. They were in the hospital. They were in a home. They were bedridden, this and this and that. Oh, so they didn't live a good quality of life. They lived till they were in their 90s. They did whatever they wanted to. Do you think that maybe there's a correlation to the end result of their life and what they yeah. ate and how they what they put into their body? Not only correlation, but more importantly, causation. Yes, thank you. Causation, and, yes. And that's what really we need to pay attention to. Everybody th that you know uh, is on some sort of a medication or other. So when you're not on meds, boy, it's a great thing. And, you know, just think to yourself, when was the last time you went to the doctor and the doctor asked you, what have you eaten today? Probably never. And that's because they don't get much more than a couple of hours of nutritional information schooling during their medical degree. And there's a big problem right there. Oh, so you have absolutely. to learn. Absolutely. So I went to my doctor, I've known mm -hmm. him for 30 some years in 2018 and said, Hey, what do you know about this keto thing? That's what I said thing. Cause uh, you know what I mean? I'm hearing about it and blah, 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 blah. He looked at me and says, well, let's monitor you over the next year. Do it right. And don't be that. He didn't say the word, but he basically said, don't be an idiot and be that person that eats bacon every single freaking day. And, mm -hmm. you know, do it within moderation. And, you know, follow it. I have had clients, he said, just be, to be real with you, that we've reversed their diabetes because of ketosis, like using keto. And it is fantastic, but do it properly. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was like, okay. And yeah, over the next year, I went in and I had some, you know, had my yearly physical and a year past and he says this level's down you're he says you're he says you've you've dropped like 40 pounds he says you look healthy your skin is healthy everything about you he says good for you right he didn't necessarily ask me how i processed it and what it, he just encouraged me and said hey he didn't pretend to be an expert he didn't even know who to send me to he said just be careful what you're reading there's so much misinformation out there and please by gosh don't just eat bacon every day. He said you know, that that, you're you're going to cause other problems for yourself. Sounded like he was very supportive and it's good to have that if you can get that. But yeah, taking it upon yourself, it's, it's amazing what you can do just by taking control of yourself. It takes a lot of focus, concentration, and oh understanding that's going to be a limited process of what you can put in your mouth, but uh, it works. It's nice feeling good, you know? And the pressure you get from people. Oh, yeah. oh, come on, blah, blah, blah. What kind of stupid thing are you doing? Like, it's not as bad now. 
now there's places like Natural Market and uh, iHerb and all these companies you can order keto-based stuff online. There's breads that are, because at one time I was trying to figure out how to make bread because I missed it so bad. Mm -hmm. um, but now there's, I don't have to, I can go buy bread, right? Even Costco here sells, sells uh, bread that's keto friendly. And obviously it's even the stuff that's labeled. So people listening or watching, no matter what nutritional thing you're going to be on, read the labels. Cause just cause something's stamped keto friendly, doesn't mean it is. It, yeah. it, 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 that one one thing you eat might be the carb limit that you can have for the day and you don't pay attention and you go eat something else and you throw yourself out of ketosis and yes the keto flu is real right depending <laughs> on how long you've been on keto for me it's it i just feel like a food hangover it's not bad initially it was like oh man this isn't good but uh yeah so just be cognizant of all labels no matter what nutritional diet you're on is the thing that i'll say yeah, yeah. It's good to stay away from what we call the SAD diet, the standard American diet, uh, because that whole food pyramid thing we all grew up with is just, it's uh, ass backwards. Let's just be oh, real. It's, 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 it's uh, I'm trying to think of the name. They were, they were a husband and wife team fit for life. It was it talked about, it was came out when it was in the nineties. They had a couple mm -hmm. books and they had a, I believe they had a television show too. I read their books and it talked about Co proper combination of foods so the sad diet or the north american diet you talk about is miscombining foods your body just freaks out it triggers you to go into depending on your body chemistry fat storage mode it causes you to be lethargic you don't think properly your emotional response to situations isn't necessarily the best and and again you do you listeners or people watching, but I'm telling you, if you're having any energy loss or you're having focal issues or you're diabetic, nutrition can make a difference. I'm not saying it's a magic elixir because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutrition specialist. I'm talking about real life, what it's done for me and for those that I love and care for. And Matthew's prime example, right? Look at Oh yeah. You know, I reversed weight. my type two and I'm not on any meds and I lost a ton of weight. So it works and I help people get past their stuff by way right of on. eating right. Right on Matthew. We'll make sure that um, all that information is in the show notes as well so that people can reach out to you. So oh, fantastic. Uh, last thing I want to ask you is Matthew, tell us about your podcast. 50 tastes of gray what inspired you to do this podcast and what can one expect when they listen to it or watch it pardon me i've been in talk radio since the 80s in one form or another so i've been doing talk radio for a long time uh after COVID hit and when i decided i was going to start paying it forward and helping people out i thought you know maybe i should get into the podcast game since i have talk radio in my blood anyway and once it's in your blood you never want to let go of it and so i thought maybe i should start a podcast 50 tastes of gray is an obvious takeoff on that famous book and movie 50 shades of gray but it's not about the whole sex thing like the 50 shades is it's about the 50 tastes of me and the various different things that I love and admire and uh, things that I enjoy. So 50 Tastes of Grey covers the gamut. It's, uh, it's a new podcast and I talk about everything in life worth loving. So it takes a lot of the same kind of course directions that your show does. So I speak with interesting, fascinating, colorful, artistic, brilliant people and uh, try to put that on the air and help people understand and learn and uh, feel good about being entertained. Sweet. That's, that's fantastic. Um, 
listeners currently. So we'll make sure if you will find it on YouTube, I will make sure that again, in the show notes that there's a link to um, the website link for the YouTube channel where you can go and check it out uh, in the near future. Um, Matthew's going to have it so that you can listen to it as well, but why wait? Why wait when you can, you know, have another taste of Matthew? It's fun. You know, I'm right. having a good time with it. And just like you're having a great time with your show, it's like you're wanted, wanting to share it with others. That's what I'm wanting to do with my show as well. Well, and I showcase people that have other podcasts all the time. Why wouldn't I? People say, well, why would you do that? You're going to take away your listeners. Oh, well, different enough to go for around. different folks. Yeah, that's, and if there's... That, Right? That's that scarcity mentality, and it doesn't I work in this that. life, right? I don't the cream always rises to the top, Dwight. You know that. Oh, absolutely. And 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 bottom line, somebody that maybe they're listening to my show for the first time, and they go to your show, and and I'm replaced. It was meant to be. Hey, the they're twenty four hours has, in a day. Yeah. Hey, yeah. There's plenty listen of time. To, listen to both. <laughs> right. Exactly. And bottom line, though. You know, I think people is, des deserve to change their their nutritional lifestyle and how they live. And what a great place to start! But your show, right? To go your pardon me, to go to your show and check it out. And you're a great conversationalist. You got a great sense of humor. Um, I like I said to you today because it's been so new since we've been introduced to each other. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out because I I love things that involve thinking differently, thinking out, literally thinking outside the box. I know we hear mm -hmm. that statement all the time, but you do, you've, you've proven that you're living outside the box. You reverse your type two diabetes, you lost weight and yeah, you're just, you're living the best version of you. And it don't matter what age we are, people, you can start giving a heck right now, right after you stop listening to this podcast right? Reach out Perfect. to Matthew, reach out to myself. If you want direction and focus, um, mm -hmm. you know, I do have people that will reach out to me and, you know, they're nervous. They might not want to reach out to Matthew directly. I'll give you an introduction, mm -hmm. right? If you feel comfortable with me, get a hold of me. I'll introduce you to Matthew so that you can give a hack and live a purposeful life. That sounds great. Very generous of you too. Thank you so much. Mahalo. Sure. You're welcome. Mahalo to you. Matthew, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Well, it's okay to give up only momentarily, but for the most part, you've got to be persistent and determined to have a successful life. And living in the moment, being thoughtful, listening, put down the damn cell phone, and look someone in the eye and listen to what they have to say. Yeah. What a great closing message. People, the end result is be present in everything that you do, right? Tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday is gone. Be present in the moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I just did a reel about that in the last two days too, about people being present in the moment because, you know, there's no promise that to, people understand if you worry about, what happened depression you worry about what hasn't happened it's anxiety and then you're sandwiched between the the darn stuff at the end of the day you have a choice to live in the present moment and start by having gratitude and being grateful first thing in the morning and when you go to bed you woke up be grateful now you have the chance to you know good bad or ugly hopefully more good than bad 
and just practice enjoying your day because there's no promise of tomorrow. And when you're with great people like, you know, Matthew, be present, listen to Matthew. Don't always think about what you're going to say next. Think about what Matthew's saying. And then when Matthew's done, you know, it doesn't take long for our brain, which is a giant computer to go, oh, Matthew had some great, oh, this is how I want to interject now into the conversation. Don't be thinking, how am I going to respond before it's even done? Right? Be present with people. So I appreciate that that ending message. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up the show? You guys are always uh, able to reach out to me. Uh, always welcome to do so. I, I help help people out. Always, you know, if you want to email me, you want to call me. Go ahead uh, and tell. Won't, won't cost next you a penny. Question, next question was, how do people reach out to you? Right. Uh, so go ahead and. They, one of my websites is hawaiifoodtours.com. Another one of my websites is lovelife.com. And if you want to email me, 50tastesofgray at gmail.com. And, you know, you can just reach out to me. If you need a little bit of help, I'll help you. won't cost you anything. Fantastic. I'm not here to make money off of people. I want to help people. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, the world needs more people like you, Matthew. Thanks, and man. I'll, you're welcome. I'll make sure that it goes into the show notes. For those new to the show, you can find the show notes at giveaheck.com. That's giveaheck.com. Hit on the podcast portal button, and it'll bring you into the podcast page where you will see uh, a picture of Matthew. You'll see the show notes where you'll find the links to be able to access him easily. And Feel free to reach out to me again if you want a connection and you feel more comfortable that way because we all deserve to live a life that's intentional and on purpose, but it takes work and mentorship can help that big time, right? It does. This is not airy-fairy stuff we're talking here. It's it's real and, oh. uh, and that's the important distinction we need to make. Absolutely. So thanks again for being on, brother. Uh, you know, this has been life-changing because you know, I get to connect with somebody that I can resonate on so many different levels. That's kind, that's got a good sense of humor and is knowledgeable and wants to serve humankind. So thank you again for being on. Fantastic. We'll see you soon, Dwight. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I appreciate it. Yes. So I appreciate you being on Matthew and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn. It is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck